When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and joining us again, former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones, who just can't get enough football talk. So, Donald, let's uh, start right out with... Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they're facing the New Orleans Saints. This is a huge game, Sunday night football. Now, everybody is telling me, Donald, that, hey, it's no big deal. It's just another game. It's the regular season. You know, who cares about these storylines? We're just focused on the game tape. Um, when you're playing big games, night games, things like that, how much different is it really? Well, first off, uh, thank you for having me on the show again, I guess, the the uh, fan feedback has been great. So thank you, Minnesota Vikings fans. Um, <laughs> now, I, in terms of in terms of playing in big games, you know, anytime you're playing, the levels change from stage to stage, right? So you go from, as especially when you're working here, you go from, you know, mini camps, and then you go to training camp where it advances up a little bit, and then regular season advance up. But then when you have night games and you know the entire world is watching, the entire family gets to see you because they get to see you and they get to see you at home and there's probably a party, a bunch of people together type of thing. You know, all of that stuff creeps into your mind um, because it's something that you've always dreamed about doing your entire life. So typically on a Sunday, it's like, oh, all right, well, my family might be watching, but they might, they either, if they don't have the package, they're going to have to go to a bar somewhere to watch it because I'm not from that town. Mm-hmm, um, right. But when there's a night game, you know, everybody's watching. It's like, all right, I know if I make a bad play, the entire world is going to see this, you know, so it can, it can help you in a sense. You know, it's like you can end up trying to force things because you want to make the big play. You want to, you want to make the big play. And next thing you know, you fumble or throw an exception or something like that. Yeah, that's uh, and and or you give up a miracle play in the playoffs, like uh, Marcus Williams did. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the storyline right uh, there. Um, did you ever have anything like that where it was like a last-second thing, just a, a crazy play that you never would have seen coming? 
not a game that I played in. Um, not like last second. Like I've been in games where, uh, and this is going on both sides of the winning and losing, where it's like a, a last minute, minute and a half drive. I mean, we played against Brady twice a year, so we've seen it pretty much twice a year. <laughs> minute, minute and a half drive, you know, where it's like, they go down the field easy and kick a field goal. And you're like, man, what just happened after you just scored a touchdown and you're all excited? You give him the ball with a minute and a half left and he scores. But just last, last second, last play of the game in a big time game like that in the playoffs. Nah, I've never, I've never been around something like that. Well, you lead me into what I wanted to ask you about is the wide receiver perspective on amazing quarterbacks guys who look like they're just playing a different game guys who you feel like when they're playing it's like how good i am on madden with just any quarterback (laughs) but you just can make any throw you want to at any time and accurate and reads defenses just does everything at at a brilliant level but where drew Brees has been even more spectacular in the last couple of years of his career and especially you know in the post san diego days just with new orleans is big situations, fourth quarters, and he showed it in that game, in the miracle game against the Vikings in the second half, led three touchdown drives, brought them back, put them in a position to win, and he would have been remembered way differently for that game than the, if the miracle did not happen. So tell me from your experience about, you, you spent some time with Tom Brady, what a receiver sees from their quarterback in those big spots. Uh, you know, when you, when you're a receiver on a, on a team with a quarterback like that, the biggest thing you're going to see is confidence. You're not going to see a quarterback who's nervous because you know that that quarterback has been in these situations so many different times that it's almost like another regular, just regular point in the game or regular game. You know, it's like those guys have ice in their veins. And when you step into the huddle, you don't see any type of nervousness coming from those guys. All you see is confidence oozing from them in the huddle. And you better have the same confidence. Don't be nervous when you're out there on the field with those guys. They're going to give you an opportunity to make plays. But let's be honest. I mean, wide receivers make these quarterbacks look good. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure all right, I'm so, sure that's all it's been know, for Breeze. Hey, I'm just saying, you know, Stephon Diggs had to go up to jet that ball last year. You know, it wasn't all on the quarterback. So okay, I'll give you, that I will give you that one. Wide receivers position in the league. We make the plays. We put all the fans in the seat. I will give you that one, that uh, Case Keenum was helped out quite a bit by Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and it was no more evident than on that play. With with Breeze, he's had such a, a long, great career that you know when we talk about him, it's almost just, yeah, the guy's amazing, and what else can you say? But is there right. some perspective you can give as a receiver uh, just on a daily basis with an elite quarterback or the things, the throws that they can make, the – the plays that you just wouldn't expect, What what is the biggest difference there from the wide receiver uh, when you're talking about getting the opportunity to catch the ball from that type of guy versus just an average quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is those guys, they know the game situation so much because they've been in those situations so many times. So, you know, as a receiver, when you have any player on the field, you have to understand – the clock, what you're trying to get done. But that quarterback, like a guy like Drew Brees or Tom Brady, they've been in these situations so many times. It's like, okay, it's a minute and a half left. We only have one timeout. I got to throw the ball to the sideline. So when you get in the huddle with them, they'll say that. Like, guys, 
It's a minute and a half left. We only have one timeout. We got to throw the ball here. So I need you guys on the outside to get open. You know, and that's not to say the guys on the inside don't get open, but those guys understand where it, where it is they want to go with the ball in every single play when they're in those situations. And they're confident about it. And they're also confident in their receivers because in practice, the great coaches work situational football more in practice than anything else. Mm-hmm. They work on two-minute drives. They work on four-minute drives. They work on, you know, we're trying to score a touchdown uh, at the end of the first half or something. I mean, they work on this stuff so much in practice. Obviously, it's not the same as a game, but you rep this stuff so much that you understand what it is that you're trying to get done. So let me ask you about some of the situations with Kirk Cousins in comparison, because when we're talking about the two, I, I think that there's recognition amongst everyone that Drew Brees is just on a complete other level where only Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Joe Montana, those type of quarterbacks fly, that that's his altitude. And, and Kirk Cousins isn't in that area, but still good. But one of the things where he doesn't do as well, I think, is the situational football where we've seen uh, the end of games, the end of halves, and on third downs and long last week against the Jets, they really, really struggled to convert. Um, is, there, is there a key there, something physical, or what, what might it be that would separate someone like Breeze from Cousins in those situations? Uh, I, I just think that it's those guys have been in the situation so many times now. Like I said, Kirk Cousins, yeah, playing quarterback, obviously you've, you know, you've been in a situation like that, but when you are Drew Brees, you've been in it so many times and you've made the play so many times that nothing is going to feel like I can't do it. Kirk Cousins might still have that feeling. He might still have in his mind, you know what? I need to prove that I'm the best quarterback out there. And mm-hmm. when you're thinking like that, that's when you end up forcing plays and, and you don't make the plays. You know, Drew Brees knows he's one of the best. And he's out there like it's just another game. Let's make this play happen and let's move on to the next game. Okay, tell me strategically how the Vikings can succeed on third down and long. It's something when they had Teddy Bridgewater they were extremely good at. And Bridgewater had this exact sort of feeling about him that even though he was only 23, 24 years old, that he... He was like a old man in a young man's body with the way he played in those big spots um, where, I, you know, I don't see that same thing from Cousins. But strategically speaking, is there something that you would say works better? I mean, I, I don't know, a scheme or a route combination or whatever it might be, because I just I'm just curious after watching that game and seeing them struggle so much and then looking at the numbers and seeing a pretty big gap between some quarterbacks and some teams on those third downs and medium to long where you can't run play action, you're not going to run the ball, it's just you know you're going to throw, they know you're going to throw, and we see what happens. Um, Strategically, third and long. You know, I think every coach, it's really on the offensive coordinator and the quarterback um, to understand what it is that the team is trying to do to them on third and long. And every coach has a different, a different idea of things that they like to call. So I, I played with Jay Gailey. He was more of a conservative, conservative type of coach. Uh, he would go with the screen almost every time on third month. Screen or draw. Screen mm-hmm. or draw. You know, now the variation of the screen, it might have been a wide receiver screen. It might have been running back, tight end, doesn't matter. Um, that was just his thing. Other coaches and quarterbacks are more aggressive. They might want to take a shot, you know, down the field. The third and long anyway, let's take a shot down the field. 
Um, it, it really it varies from coach to coach. I think that um, Kirk Kirk Cousins has receivers who can work the slot, mm-hmm. and he has guys that can get open on third and long. You know, and so even when the, the defense might be expecting you to throw the ball, he has guys that can get open. So the biggest thing is strategically, don't be predictable on third and long. You have to switch it up all the time. Don't just don't go, you know, 70% of the time you run a screen or a draw and everybody knows that it's coming. Right. And then 30% of the time, you know, you need to be 50-50. On this, on this third and long, first of all, you need to stay out of third and long. But if you find yourself in too many third and longs on this, on this third and long, we need to go screen a draw. The next time we need to be aggressive so that the, uh, the coaches on the other side never really get a read on what it is that you're trying to do. One thing I noticed was that when they were in third and long, that the New York Jets just double teamed Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen all day. And th- th- I think that's the first time that I've seen it where a team said, nope, like, no way. You are not getting any one-on-one situation with Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen. We are putting two guys on both of them and make someone else beat you. What, do, what can they do if that's going to be the case for other teams after seeing what the Jets did to the Vikings with using zones, but also putting two guys on them, um, wh- how can they start to to beat that if that's how other teams are going to play it? Um. Well, I mean, Adam Thielen still got off. He did. You know, yes, he still got it. <laughs> he still balled out. So I don't know if you can stop it. You know, and at the end of the day, you you can. What it comes down to is somebody else has to make plays. If they're gonna, and you're always gonna face a team that has the playmakers to shut you down. Some teams might not have the personnel. Other teams might have the personnel. You know, it's, it's a game of matchups. And sometimes teams just have the matchup that can shut your guys down. Um, and so I would like to say that typically you're not going to be able to double team both those guys and win successfully every single week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just too good, you know? And so if you, if you are in a game where Okay, they're double teaming both of those guys. Somebody else has to step up. If it's the running backs, if it's the tight end, the Quan Treadwell, I don't know. Somebody else has to step up. And and coaches will say that. And as a player on the field, look, if I'm the number three wide receiver, I hope and pray you double team those guys. Because now it's my opportunity to show and prove what I can do out here on the field. You know, so that's what it comes down to. Somebody step up and make plays. So I got a couple of questions for you that are not related to the Vikings Saints game, but just one more on that. Um, I have been, uh, I, I'll just run a theory by you that I tend to believe trap games don't really exist, that teams prepare and they're professionals and they go play. And it, I, that's just, that's always been my thought. And the statistical proof is there too, that when it's been studied, it's very hard to find any sort of evidence that trap games really exist. But I think prove it games exist where you are going up against a really top opponent and you've got a chance to show the world what you are, how good you are. And last year, the Vikings did it against the Rams and they've got a chance to do it against New Orleans. And that's why this game is taken to another level and why it's perfect that it's on national TV, too. Um, But I think the Vikings have an opportunity to propel themselves into the second half of the season with a win here. What do you, what do you think of those concepts of prove it games and trap games? So I think first off, a trap game, I think they both exist. Okay. You know, and, and we like to say 
and there might be statistical evidence that might prove what I'm saying is wrong, but coming strictly from a player's mindset, all right, and we'd like to say, well, you get paid this amount of money, it's your job to come out and perform every day. The fact of the matter is a lot of these teams are young teams. They don't have, some of these teams don't have, we talked about it last week, they don't have that veteran leadership maybe in all areas of your team, all position groups of your team. And so you might have some lackadaisical play mm-hmm. and find yourself down in the game, you know, because you felt like, oh, we're playing this team this week, they're one in picket number, one in six, and so we're going to beat them. You know, this is going to be a fat game. I mean, that type of stuff does creep up in your mind. Now, at the same time, you try to say to yourself, look, they're all pros, they're all going to be good. But we've seen it. We've seen teams come out just walking in a game and play down to the competition. And we've seen teams that are down play up to the competition because they're amped up because it's almost like a playoff game for them. They know they're going to be out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and knock that team down. You know, So I think track games do exist. Prove it games. And this is an interesting game, which is why it's on national TV. It's an interesting game because – I think the Vikings are trying to prove that, you know, they're, they're not just a one and done team. Like they're not, they're not a team that, um, like a one hit wonder from Mm -hmm. last year. They're trying to prove that they can get all the way back to where they were last year and go on to the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I think the Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton and all of those guys do have let's just say a chip on their shoulder after that game last year, mm-hmm. you know, that loss, the way they lost that game last year. And I would, I would, I would like to think that everybody outside of Minnesota thought the Saints were going to go to the Super Bowl. Either the Saints or the Eagles were going to go to the Super Bowl with the, with the, uh, the seasons that they were having, even though the Vikings played so well last year, going into that game, it was like, okay, it's Drew Brees versus Case Keenum. Okay. Who are you going to take in that game? With the way the Saints offense was clicking and all of that stuff, nobody expected the Vikings to come out. Even with the number one defense, they didn't expect the Vikings to come out and beat them. And so the way it happened was crazy, and it was it was electric, all of that stuff. But I think that the Saints are coming into this game with a chip on their shoulder to prove and really blow the Vikings out. And I would like to think, I mean, you want to blow every team out, but I think Drew Brees and Sean Payton are going to have that mindset in this game you're going to see them take a lot of shots down the field and try to score every single time that they can score. Okay, so on the on the trap thing, I totally understand from the player mindset that the player mindset should be, hey, don't let this game trap you into thinking you're just going to show up and, and beat them. Like, you still have to go about it the same way you always would and take them seriously mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Um, I think over the, the long term, what you find is that you know, any game where it's a team that's really good against a team that's really bad, that the good team ends up, you know, coming out with a win. And uh, but with right. the but with the prove it games, I mean, maybe you could say that you know, beating a good team in the middle of the season might not matter toward the Super Bowl. But I think that where the Vikings are right now, after having three straight wins, but they had some things that would make you question them earlier: a loss to the Bills, a loss in L.A. That they need it, I think, for their own mentality to say, yes, we believe that we can be a real contender because we just beat Drew Brees again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, 
this is a proven game for the Vikings. And going into the second half of the season, you want to have a big win on national TV like beating the Saints. I mean, you want something like that, you know. But then the next week, the next game that you have, you got to be able to come back and repeat that performance. Ah, the letdown game. That's the other one. Exactly. The other one's the letdown. I knew it was missing one. The letdown game. Right, (laughs) exactly. So, you know, this game is a proven game, I think, for both of these teams. Um, The Saints, they're a good team, but I think they want to prove that last year was a fluke. The Vikings want to prove that they're a good team again this year. Um, And so, you know, I'm excited about seeing this game. Okay, so here's my question that goes beyond this one, and I feel the same way, man. I mean, whatever these guys are feeling, I think the media feels the same type of energy of going into a game, even though uh-huh. I, you know, I have no dog in the fight, but it's just exciting drama, and that's what I'm here for. So um, let me ask you about a situation that's being talked about a lot in Oakland, because I'm curious about this and just haven't had a, a chance to ask anybody who is a, a player in the NFL – the, the idea of a fractured locker room, I think, is like a thing that we used to talk about because we didn't have analytics. <laughs> like we couldn't right. we couldn't explain it as well. So we went to let me see if I can find a player who tells me the locker room is in turmoil, which if a team is one in six, then they will be more likely than not. And then you've got your headline, then you've got it on TV and then you've got it on you know wherever else it's going to be. But I feel like. I want to just say that this either is always a product of losing or basically doesn't really exist that guys show up and just do their jobs for the most part. But tell me what you think of that concept of the fractured locker room in Oakland. You know, honestly, I, I, I think that locker room has been fractured since, and I, I think teams and ownership and management, they do this stuff, not really thinking. And, and I almost, say for a fact that they do this stuff not thinking about the players right so and i'm talking about hiring certain coaches Mm -hmm. and i think that that locker room was somewhat fractured since they hired john gruden if you're a player on a team and a couple of years ago we were a very good team we've had some mediocre seasons over the past couple of years in the oakland raiders um and then all of a sudden you fire a coach who had this team going all in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You bring in a coach that hasn't coached in a very long time. And oh, by the way, you're going to pay him, what, $10 million a year, $100 million? What has this coach done, aside from winning a Super Bowl a long time ago, to deserve $100 million? You know, and, and people, you never want to count somebody else's pockets. is not a good thing to do. But at the end of the day, it's like, come on, man, this dude hasn't coached in a long time. He's been, a, he's been in the booth forever. You know, he's going to come in here and with an old school mentality and who knows what that's going to be like. And then all of a sudden you come in and one of the best players on the team, oh, you haven't contacted that guy. You haven't talked to him in a long time. I mean, that stuff resonates with players, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you trade him away. And it's like, hold on, you just traded away one of our franchise players? For what? You could, they, y'all couldn't find the money to pay him? I mean, what are we mm-hmm. talking about right now? You know, and so then they traded, I mean, they traded away Marquette King, who was a very good punter. One of the best in, in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They traded him away. Then you trade away Khalil Mack, and it's like, alright, now what is going on here? Why are we getting rid of our best players? You brought this coach in who is now going to be here for the next 10 years. 
I don't know if I want to be here for the next ten years, or the next two years, the next year. Period. I don't know if I want to be here with this dude. He's trading away everybody, right. you know. And so I think that locker room has been fractured since the day they hired John Gruden. I see. So, I mean, this makes a lot of sense that it isn't just hey, we're losing, so we're just mad at each other in the locker room, but more as what management is doing here doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and you feel right. like no one is really guiding the ship, or they handed over the um, the wheel to the ship to somebody who doesn't know how to run it now. And then the first thing you do is to trade away Khalil Mack. I mean, even though in the big picture, I understand that. Like, if they didn't have the cash on hand until they moved to Vegas to pay him mm -hmm. right away, and then also, like, look where your team is at. They are in bad shape in a lot of situations. I mean, if you're keeping Khalil Mack, you win five games instead of three, right? So, right. like, what's the right. difference? Trade the guy away, get picks. But from a player standpoint, it looks like, oh, they're just not paying someone who's amazing. Yeah, from and you can definitely see it from both sides. From both sides, the players can see it from both sides as well. But at the end of the day, you traded away a guy who was my teammate, a guy who. You know, I've been in the locker room with a guy who's one of the best players in the league. And he's not just one of the best players. He's one of the most humble players in the league. You know, he's not out here getting in trouble or any of that stuff. So, all right, you're trading away all these guys. So basically what you're saying to me is that we are in a rebuild situation. Well, if we're in a rebuild situation, I get it. You're going to trade away this guy so that you can have more cash to, to uh, pay other guys. But Khalil Max. That, that type of player, they're not coming along every year. You know, it just, it doesn't work out like that. And so, yeah, not until we move to Vegas, but you could, you could cut some other dudes on this team to make space to, uh, pay Khalil Mack and satisfy him until we move to Vegas where he'll get another contract. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many different things that you can do and mm -hmm. creative ways to pay guys to at least satisfy them right now so that in a couple of years, he'll be good. You know, and, and I just don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. Obviously I'm not in Oakland, um, and I'm not in their management role, but I don't know if they, if they truly tried to pay Khalil Mack. What we do know is they paid John Gruden a lot of money and he <laughs> traded him away. <laughs> so the players are like, hold on. So y'all had a hundred million to pay this dude, but you <laughs> right. pay Khalil Mack. What are we talking about? Right, right. And uh, Vikings fans not thrilled with this whole situation of Khalil Mack ending up in the NFC North. Uh, last thing for you, Donald, on this same topic is there was a, a report that came out that said that uh, part of the fracturing uh, was around Derek Carr. And again, like not playing well. So that's always a, a right. major part of it. But the article insinuated that Carr uh, shedding some tears after he got hurt in the game against Seattle would have harmed the team's ability to take him seriously as a leader. And um, since I've been around the Vikings, Donald, the last three years, I've probably seen, I, I'd guess, around a dozen different people in tears. I mean, football is just an incredibly emotional sport. Um, a lot of things happen. It's an incredible journey to follow. It's one of the reasons I love it. And right. I just... It's possible that that's true, but I kind of thought it was ri ridiculous to think that that would have other players in the locker room look at someone and say, oh, oh, because he, you know, and I don't even know if he was, but that was the report that he was crying on the sideline, it, that that would take away their ability to respect him. I, I have a tough time with that one. My thing is, not everybody shares emotions the same way. Like, okay, and this, this is 
obviously the guy who's been in the media and, and been a player, it's always funny when stuff like this comes out. Because it's like, well, who said something like that? I mean, if I'm a player in the locker room and this dude didn't cry, so I feel like he doesn't care. What are we talking about right now? This dude, he still comes to work every day. I'm sure he works hard every single day. Because he didn't cry, now I'm, I'm the one that says he doesn't care. I mean, that's petty, that's childish, and I think that's something that just came from the media, you know, um, yep. just trying to stir up a story out there in Oakland because things are going bad. And, and so I think that um, Derek Carr, he hasn't been playing well over the last couple of years especially coming from his early years where he was having a lot of success out there, but they made a lot of moves. They've gotten rid of a lot of his weapons, you know, and that stuff plays, it comes into play. But I think once he got paid, they looked at him as a guy who should be able to uplift the receivers around him. And he hasn't been able to do that. He's had some injuries. And so it's been tough out there. In Oakland. Yeah, but think- then he traded away Khalil Mack and he brought in John Gruden. <laughs> that made everything worse. I think just that the culture of the NFL is thought of by the people on the outside as being just like, yeah, you guys are all just like throwing weights at each other and, and you know, just, just fist fighting or something like and eating giant slabs of meat all the time. But I mean, I feel like the level of emotion that players are willing to show even in front of the media to talk about how much they care about each other. And, and like I said, I mean, I, I saw Teddy Bridgewater, cry when he returned to the field after what he went through. Stephon Diggs got choked up talking about his contract. Uh, this team lost uh, an offensive line coach, passed away. I mean, like, I've seen all these things happen, and I feel like it's the sport that I've been around that most shares its emotions with each other as opposed to kind of how it would be painted in, in that way. Yeah, man. I mean, football is, is all an emotional sport. Sports are emotional, period. We see it in basketball. We've seen it with the, the Lakers and the Houston Rockets. I mean, guys get emotional. They get in each other's faces. You see it in baseball and the fights. You see it in hockey. Football is a sport that you have to play with emotion out there on the field because you're putting your body through so much. And so emotion is going to come into play because I just put my body through all of this stuff. You know, and we just lost this game. I just put in so much work mm-hmm. and we just lost this game. I just did this. I just did that. And you made a horrible play and we lost the game or something like that, you know? And so there's so much emotion that is needed to play, to practice every week. There's so much emotion that's needed to play in the games and get through those games when you're dealing with so much pain and, and all of that stuff that you deal with. And so it's an emotional sport, but you have to understand, and fans have to understand, that the players are still human. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these guys are not just robots out there on the field. You know, and so you're going to have some guys who show emotion different. Everybody shows emotion different. Right. You know, I wasn't a guy who I'm still. I'm not a person who is very emotional. There are other guys who are emotional, and they might cry. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not upset about it. I'm I'm ticked off right now. But I'm just not out there crying, you know. But when I go home, I'm going to talk to my family, and we're going to, you know, we're going to have to talk about it. And everybody's going to sit at the dinner table, and we're going to listen. Because this is what I'm saying right now. But you have other guys who might want to get things off their chest on the field and cry. I mean, everybody just shows emotions different, man. And, and so I think the fans and the media have to understand that everybody's human and no – no two players are alike. Well, Donald, as always, awesome 
perspective on the Vikings and the you know, life in the NFL. And uh, let's get together again soon by popular demand. I mean, that's what it is. I got a bunch of tweets that wanted to hear more Donald Jones. So I'm happy about that. Happy people are enjoying hearing what you have to say. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me back. Thanks for the fans that are tweeting me and tweeting you in the show at the same time. Um, hopefully we can see the Vikings pull off another win this week. It's going to be a tough game. And hopefully it doesn't have to end in dramatic fashion like it did last year. Well, we want it to end that way, Donald. We want drama. Nah, that's what we're going I don't know for. if Vikings fans want it to end that dramatic. No, that's true. I, mean, I think they'd rather handle it a little, a little bit better. That's a good point. All right, Donald Jones there. And uh, we will talk to you all again on the next uh, Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.